So I'm just trying to like copy as many files. I see all these config files. And um, in one particular directory, I locate something called ewalks.config or something like that. And I know what this is. And I should have gave a little context. So basically what I do is I, I type cat, cat the config file, and I get a 3DES key. I'm actually looking for that not on purpose. I'm kind of just looking around, but I knew what this was. I was like, oh shit, I need this. So whatever, save it to my computer. And um, that, this might've been like 8.30 at night. And just because I took that Ewoks encryption key, the FBI was at my house less than 24 hours. They hit, they raided my house in the afternoon of the next day. Please state your handle and the years you were active on AOL. Uh, my handle is Camo. It's uh, C-A-M-0. And the years I was active, uh, to the best of my recollection, uh, I would say 1998 until 2005. Nice. When did you first use a computer? I believe it was December of 1997, you know, putting me around like, I guess back then, geez, like was it eight years old, maybe. <laughs> wow. So tell me about the first time you got on AOL. The the very like just like the very first time getting on it? Yeah. First time getting on it, was it malicious or anything? I kind of just like it, I guess like the average user. Um what happened was uh my dad got us a computer, my cousins frequently came over the house and would use it to for like chat rooms and stuff. By the way, we're using AOL 3.0 and um I got on there and at some point I realized, hey, uh by the way, I was a video game head when I was younger, playing a lot of RPGs. So the first thing I remember doing was just um, searching for cheat codes and walkthroughs. And I thought that was like the coolest thing. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. <laughs> what, what, what games were you playing then? Back then, it was uh, I was huge into, um, like I said, RPGs, uh, Final Fantasy 2, 3, Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, like all the Squaresoft games, uh, some racing games too, like F-Zero, all Super Nintendo ones. Nice. Yeah. So how did you find the scene? It was actually by accident. So this this is kind of funny. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so essentially what happened was, um, you know, I think uh, I had AOL 3.0 and I was... Um, at some point, I, I was engaged in the what is it the where the wars rooms or wares rooms. I know people like to pronounce it differently, I guess. But uh, just by chance, I, I'm logged onto AOL. I'm on my you know family's account. I clicked on private chat room. Being an AOL 3.0 user, I was like, hmm, what happens if I just type in AOL 4.0? So I put AOL 4.0 in as a private chat room, and it led me to a room with like 12 guys in there, and everyone's like asking, like, who's this guy? And, and um, these people were in there uh, just <laughs> talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. So I basically like, accidentally like, lurked into this room and there's, there's people on 16 character screen names when you can only have 10 characters. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> wow. So you like went right into the deep end without really realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Just mirror, like just typed this room in and just was like, oh my God, what the hell's going on in here? <laughs> so after they were like, who the hell is this guy? What, what happened? Um, I just, I said my name was Cam. Um, I believe my screen name back then, I had multiple ones, but it, you know, it was my permanent, you know, AOL account and my dad had it. Um, it was like, my can't, my screen name was just Cameron 289, but I guess, you know, in the scene, sometimes people don't use their real names in the screen names, but, um, yeah, people just ask like, who are you? I'm like, uh, Cam and, you know, it was a long time ago, a little vague, but I do remember like, it was just so funny because, just seeing somebody on a 16 character screen name when the, you know, the limitations back then were obviously 10, it was kind of like, I guess it kind of like struck my curiosity in a sense. Um, so I repeatedly started like coming back to this chat room and, uh, I, I actually, actually, uh, there was a guy in there. I don't want to be trailing off too much here. I know you got some questions, so, but I, I, uh, a guy mentioned another private room called Ops, which was OPS. Um, it wasn't immediate. It was, you know, after I was in the room for a couple of weeks and somebody posted a link, I think, to a beta version of AOL 4. So, you know, this stuff going on here, it's pretty cool. I went into the chat room Ops and I believe it were at some point in like probably like uh, maybe like mid to late 1998. And 
there's this guy in there. His handle is the Knight. They also call him Flair, and this dude's going in there and like screen names with two characters. I'm like, what? How did you get a two character screen name? And they asking questions like that. Everybody just said, "Oh, you're a newbie. Who's this loser? Who's this kid?" Blamer. <laughs> yeah, asking too many questions. Who? Nobody knows him. <laughs> That's really funny. So your curiosity took hold, and you kept coming back. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Yeah, it's um, it's just something kind of random to just jot out there. But um, my father got us our first computer as a, as a Christmas gift. Um, nobody believes me whenever I tell them, but I immediately said, "What the heck is that?" Like, I don't. Like, it was supposed to be a Christmas gift, and I was, you know, being a kid and a little rude. I was like, "I don't want that. What's that? I've never seen that before." And um, obviously, uh, you know, twenty five, twenty six something years later, it's like computers are amazing. Love them. <laughs> That's funny. It reminds me, we gave, we gave my daughter a, a Nintendo 2DS and she like opened it up. She's like, oh, it's a 2DS. And it's like, really? Like, you just got like, you know, a handheld system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I remember getting a Game Boy and I thought that was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. So how did it go from you being a noob to learning how stuff kind of worked behind the scenes? So, you know, just like I, you know, stated about my curiosity and uh, obviously I'm asking questions. I'm seeing people on these screen names. And uh, at at some point, uh, like I'll use this for example, you know, I saw a guy on a 16 character screen name. And after asking, you know, sending IMs to people or instant messages, they called it back then, you know, saying like, hey, how did you get that? You know, every time somebody would come in on one, I would try to ask them. And somebody, uh, can't remember who, sent me the exploit. And what it persisted of was um, you would register an AOL instant messenger account through like a, it was a, it wasn't the AOL website, I believe it was like Netscape.net, which was like a, you know, AOL owned them. It's a subsidiary, but I guess the website source code, you know, it limited you to 10 characters. But if you just changed a variable, obviously you reopen it and it would give you that 16 character screen name. So, uh, that that was like literally the very very first thing that I had had ever done, and I just you know like I said I was I was like wow this is cool so interesting, very basic you know I think uh, these are like the really like minor things that people were doing on AOL. Was that like a like a JavaScript limitation, and you just kind of edited the JavaScript and, and then submitted the form, or what'd you do? Yeah, that's literally all it was. It, it was that's exactly it was just like editing the code and then just reopening the HTML file on your computer. You know, I think it was just like the input validation limit. It was ridiculous. <laughs> well, no, that had to be exciting though, right? Like a big rush. Oh God, yeah. I look back at it now. You know, after everything I've learned, and uh, I know I'm in school right now too. I look at it and I'm like, God, like how how could somebody like allow this? You know, you're at a company like this is so cheap, like. What are you paying these people? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised, man. <laughs> You'll still find, still find stuff today, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, again, I know you asked, how did I kind of like gravitate? So, I learned an awful lot asking questions, uh, watching people. And, you know, a chat room is very public. You see people talking in there. You kind of just, you know, look at it and, you know, try to gain from it. But, like, let me go back, though. The curiosity was, um, the biggest thing for me because there were guys that were like i said getting these two character screen names and these you know it was never like immediately apparent to me like how they were getting it those are the things that you know i want i really was like oh it's so cool a unique screen name like that's two letters like you just couldn't you know you couldn't do something like input validation you couldn't change you know to get that so my curiosity really took you know that's what caused me to take off. Uh, and it wasn't like overnight where I kind of went from like zero to a hundred, but, uh, between 1998, you know, I'm making, uh, you know, 16 character screen name. And by 2005, I'm like inside of AOL's network, like SSHing into these test servers and stealing encryption keys. And like, it got to a point where I was like, Holy crap. Like I'm definitely like the AOL God at this point. So, I mean, I had access at one point 
to, it, it was like a customer service management portal where I could go in and I could connect to any AOL's customer service agent screen. It was like VNC essentially. And I could actually listen to their call and, and watch like all of this stuff live. I mean, listening to their calls and people giving their personal information out. I mean, it, it was crazy. And looking back at it now, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> it was, um, obviously I'm much older now and I'm a little more familiar with the law, uh, unfortunately through bad experiences, but looking at it from a legal perspective, like it's like, oh my God, like the things that I was engaging in were just like insanely illegal. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's nuts though. It was really like curiosity, just like wanting to kind of like, uh, not so much like have like a power thing, but I think more so like I just wanted like to feel uh, like I solved a puzzle. Like every time I would kind of get further and further in AOL system, I kind of felt like I, I won a video game, for instance. Right. A sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. It, really. I mean, <laughs> looking back, I mean, I would never repeat that stuff, but it's that's exactly what it was. And it took me years to actually uh, identify that with myself. I'm kind of jumping around here, but I well known that I was incarcerated in 2005 for a string of these hacking offenses. And when I had first gotten into a jail cell, I was very angry. I'm like, why would people put me in jail for this? Like, it, it felt like it was a normal thing to do, to be, you know, engaging in data breaches and things like that, you know, and again, like reflecting on it, it's, yeah, it's it's it was a wild ride. I'll say that, I guess. I mean, to be fair, it's not like you learn that stuff, you know, in school. They don't they don't teach you about like computer law and stuff, right? No, oh god, no. Um I actually uh I took a class in Visual Basic when I was in high school back in I think it was like 2004. And it, it was funny because like I had already known Visual Basic. I was using I was making a, you know, VB programs to you know, for AOL related reasons. And I, that class was so fun, man. I went into that class and I felt like I knew everything. It was like, boom, 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 just knocking out assignments. Uh, I, I definitely had a passion for the stuff. You know, I, I loved it. I, it made me feel good. I was developing was fun. I just learning things was fun. And again, going back to that accomplishment feeling too. Like, it's like the more I learned, the more like, I don't know, interesting things became because it just, it seemed like it never, it never ended. It was always something else to learn. Or else somewhere else to go on AOL. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like going down the rabbit hole and just seeing where the next one leads is always super interesting, especially when other people are kind of feeding you stuff too. Yeah, definitely. So after you did the 16 character screen name hack, what was the next thing after that? Like what did you did you um as soon as you started meeting other people and stuff? Mm -hmm. And what was kind of the next hack? So I obviously, you know. You know, I was engaged with AOL for like, you know, many years, you know, in the scene and stuff. Uh, so I, you know, of course, I discovered my own exploits, you know, instead of like asking people like, hey, how did you do this? You know, my own discoveries came along. And the first thing that I learned how to do was uh, I know this has been spoken about a little bit in previous interviews and stuff was um, the AOL's primarily driven through tokens uh, you would send a packet or a token to the server and the server could kind of like put you places where you normally wasn't supposed to be my first exploit was uh creating an account well it wouldn't i wouldn't say created so i'll say it like this aol had these community leader accounts which were uh you know an elevated level of access where they could you know they could go different places where normal accounts couldn't go they're essentially these volunteers that, you know, go in the chat rooms and they police them, make sure people are acting correctly and stuff like that. Uh, the first exploit that I discovered on my own was um, I could change the billing plan for any account to be a community leader account, which meant basically like any account, you could switch it over to this and it would be free and then it would have like higher access and you could go to certain keywords and kind of like snoop around on like internal. Things. So, so those accounts, they didn't get charged? The community ones? No, it was literally like on just uh, changing a billing plan, you know, like when you would when you would run the uh, the FDO script, it would uh, you could it would take like a month to kick in. It would be, you know, if your billing cycle was on the first, you would run this script and it would tell the server like, hey. I want to switch to this plan. And once the billing cycle went over, you know, say the first of the month to the first, you would go back to AOL's billing and it would say that you were, your bill was now $0 every month. 
could you do that like after like with the within the 30 free days or whatever could you do that and just create like an unlimited number of accounts um the well i guess i should say like you couldn't necessarily create an account like that you had to have one that was already like paying or whatever just an active account and then you would convert it to that it was almost as if like you went to the billing page on aol you know and they have several plans 24 dollars a month or bring your own access for nine dollars a month it was merely like a plan that was for zero for employees that obviously you know isn't public because you're running this manual script so you're almost you know manipulating the I guess manipulating the server to kind of tell it hey i want this plan but you're not supposed to have it <laughs> well do you think it was a plan that like wasn't in the database and so when you picked it it just couldn't charge you it i know it was uh, i do understand that it, it was primarily for aol's community leaders the, which were like volunteers for aol like you know they go through an application process and say you know i want to monitor message boards or something like that and then you know someone an aol internal employee would be able to move them over to that plan so I mean, it wasn't intentionally. It's basically like um, it's almost it's almost like the 16 character exploit. It's kind of, you know yeah, kind of like sending data to it that you're not supposed to, I guess. Right, but like so that if you think about it, there had to be a database, right, with with rows of data, and like one of the rows would have been like 19.99 a month, the other one was like the 9.99 a month. Right. Well, do you think there was a row? It was like for commute for the community team, and like the cost was zero a month. And like you figured out how to hit that row. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that that's what it was. Um, and I will I will add to the uh the way that it, so every yeah essentially how you said it you know describing a table it's it's exactly that you know like price plan one would be this price plan plan two would be this etc. There were AOL employees that were uh, engaging with hackers and leaking information like there were I, I guess yeah they were corrupt customer service agents and you know, you befriend some of these guys and they'll start sending you screenshots of, of like the account pulled up. And when you pull up an AOL community leader, it like in that customer service tool, it would say the, the internal price index number. And it was, I believe it was from them. One of those screenshots where I had said like, Oh, this is a community leader account. And it says right there, price index equals 77. So I, that's basically how I was able to do that. I just, I knew what the token was that I was supposed to send to the server. So I sent that token and instead of a regular price plan, I just shoved into 77. And then I got that message like price plan index submitted or something like that. And so, I mean, it, was a, it wasn't so much, I guess, like guessing the number. We did have a little bit of inside information, but it was uh, kind of like, you know, using that created FDO script to send, which kind of like made it happen. I think I read on some forms, like some of the AOL employees, like they freely admitted that they would kind of throw like the hacker community a bone every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> I wonder why. You know, listen, I ha I have a great story if we got time. So um, I I'm going to think, say, maybe this might have been like 2002, 2003. Me and a bunch of the people that I'm doing things with, you know, are frequently on these teleconferences or, uh, you know, party lines. And we're routinely like calling AOL. It almost was like a nightly thing. You know, somebody would three-way the 1-800 number and we'll just, we have the information to the account. So we would, you know, impersonate them and get them to reset these passwords. So I don't know whose idea it was, but uh, I just remember, you know, I'm on a conference. It's like me, three other people, and we're dialing like um, the AOL headquarters number. Somehow, some way, it was like 703-265 and then something, something. That was like the corporate numbers. We ended up, uh, I didn't call them. It was somebody on the line. Somebody ended up calling into AOL uh, physical security, you know, the security guards that are, you know, monitoring, you know, people who's parking the cars and watching the cameras and stuff. We, ch I, I say we because it was like us as a group, um, but it wasn't me speaking initially. I, it was a... Uh, some another hacker. He he tried to like social engineer this security guy to do something. I don't recall what the heck it was, and uh, I I do remember his name was Patrick. Guy seemed like super cool. He was like, "You guys are freaking stupid, man." <laughs> so you know, you know, he's talking to us and he's a little bit like hip. You know, he's not like stuck up like one of those guys that's on report and you hang up. You know, he, he started engaging with us like, "What do you guys do all the time?" And just call AOL and blah blah blah. What, what kind of losers call AOL for fun? Yeah, exactly. So I wish I like knew exactly how it went. I just remember pieces because, of course, it's so it's so long ago. But pretty much what happened was we're all starting to like talk to this dude, 
He's three-wayed onto this conference full of hackers. He's kind of like, man, these guys might be kind of cool. So we ended up getting his screen name and we started corresponding to him through, you know, instant messenger. And uh, later on down the line, like we were giving him the conference. So he would come on the conference while he was at work because he was bored. And we're like three-waying AOL, like pranking him, social engineering him, trying to like, you know, hijack accounts. And this security guard is like getting a roll. He's laughing. He's at work. He's hearing this stuff. He thinks it's pretty cool. So we, um, we, <laughs> it was me, I believe, that asked him about this. But I, I said, hey, listen, there's a guy in uh, AOL's operation security. And every time we call that department to try to like reset an employee's password, he just like says we're stupid and hangs up on us. Can you look him up on your tools? I'm not going to say the guy's name, you know, I, you know, just for privacy purposes. So I, I gave the, the security guy's name, the guy that's in operation security. And I'm like, pull him up. So he pulls him up. He's like describing him. He's like, ah, he looks like a little geeky guy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, can you send me his picture? So he he emails me from his, his legitimate like AOL employee account, the ID card picture of this guy in operation security. And then he ends up sending another guy on the con- teleconference a complete screenshot of his like HR stuff, like his social security number and stuff. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't. We didn't want to do anything with it. We're really just curious, like, what's the guy look like? Is he like, I don't know. Just we're stupid, you know. There's nothing really, no substance there. Just curious, who's this guy look like? That's always giving us ish when we're trying to call the security people. So what happens after that? So he gives us info to us, and like within a week, you know, he's he's not responding to instant messages. It's saying he's offline. Then we try to email him, and it says he's no longer a known AOL user. So we straight up called the security line where he's at the 703, uh, the corporate number. And uh, we're ended, we're talking to his coworker and his coworker said, hey, yeah, man, Pat got, he got escorted out by some some police or something like that. We're like, what? Oh, shit. He said, yeah, I guess he was like leaking information or something like, like something. That's what he said. So the guy got fired and they were, they were watching his emails and he's sending out personal information. You know, I, I didn't, we didn't know this at the time, but I believe I was being monitored by this point, you know, because of all the things I was engaging in, you know, my IMs were being logged, my emails weren't being logged, like everything that I was doing, like AOL's information security guys were like, they were on us. That's what it was though, you know, they, they saw the email, saw something to me, something to another guy and uh, yeah, they walked them out, canned them and stuff. Wow. That, that's, that, that sucks. I mean, but I guess, you know, he, he, he was, he, he was complicit though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, if you know, if I was in AOL shoes too, I would look at that and say, "Oh my God, like this is this is that's that's bad." You know, that that's bad. It's kind of poking the bear to be so like to be harassing the infosec department because they're like the one department that can like can that can uh, do the forensics and uh, get you screwed. <laughs> yeah, those guys, man, they they did not like me. I, there was this one guy. Uh, won't say his last name again. His name his name was Bart. Anybody that's been on AOL for a while, it was kind of doing stuff to know who this guy Bart was. So everybody had this thing, like they would say, like, hey, this dude, like, if you instant message him and he knows you're doing stuff, he's going to suspend your account. Like he would straight up, like, terminate your account, like within like a few minutes. So I, I would constantly, like, jump on a random screen name and just like, send him an instant message. I'm like, hey, Bart, what's going on, man? It's Camo. And I'd get booted off, like, after like a minute or two. And this one time I sent him a message, uh, just same thing. I'm like, what's up, Bart? And um, he responded to me and he's like, hey, Cameron, does your dad know about the stuff that you're doing? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, well, you know, I'm reading your Netscape.net emails and I'm seeing a, a lot of stolen credit card details being used to purchase laptops. And I'm, I just like signed off with the screen name. I was so scared. I'm like, oh, my God, like <laughs> this dude. This dude knows that I live with my dad. This dude knows that I was buying laptops, you know, with obvious stolen information. It was scary. It, it was scary. So, I mean, it, it kind of like, it was right in my face. Like, these guys were definitely knowledgeable, like, what was going on. Like, I, I say it to the, this day, man. Like, I think the people that were working on, like, AWOL security, I think they were very, very talented. Uh, I, I really do. Th- those guys were on it. Like, it, it might sound very basic now, but, like, back then, like, I mean, they, they were just constantly track what we're doing we we would uh again i said this earlier i'm kind of jumping around here but i spent an awful lot of time on aol's internal network by sending trojans and uh really mostly like irc bots to their employees and getting them to download it 
and um, some of the security guys would like disassemble the, the executables and you know get our server information because we had their IRC bots and they would log on to our server and they would literally start talking shit to us like hey like, we're, we're on you we're, like we're following you guys and then like a few minutes later like 10 of the workstations that we had control over would just drop it would say like connection reset connection reset and we'd be like no we lost our access now we got to send out more bots again so i mean these these guys they 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 were on it man they um they definitely knew their things there were some great net admins sys admins just just great people so those bots, they, they connected to what, like a, a specific IRC server at a specific chat channel or something? Yeah, that's all it was. You know, they would join these IRC chat channels so we could send messages to them to like, a, you know, to issue commands. One of the things that we, we noticed was like after, you know, we were sending bots for like, you know, we're doing it for months on end. And at some point it started, uh, it started like not working. Like we, we would call AOL and social engineer them to download the bot. We'd tell them like, Hey, this is an update to your server. You know, with, we're with it security. Can you please open this? And they'd open it up and they're like, I keep clicking on it. Nothing coming up, which is normal. The bot wasn't supposed to do nothing. We just say, Oh, maybe your computer's malfunctioning, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't connect anymore. Turns out they, they, you know, they turned on some kind of port filtering. So certain ports could not connect out. So we had to work around that. We ended up using, uh, setting the the IRC chat server to use port 5190, which was the same port that AOL connects on. So of course you're not going to filter that because you have to, the employee has to use AOL. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I felt like these guys were up 24 hours a day watching watch what we're doing. They probably at one point they were like, they're smart. These kids are freaking good. <laughs> So they did static. I mean, so so they were filtering outbound firewalls. Yeah. Um, ba based on port, and they needed five one nine zero, and they couldn't filter. But the IRC servers were those fully qualified domain names or IP addresses. Oh, I, I apologize. Um, so we would basically just just cart a server, just go cart a shell, and you know we'd have we 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 would use DNS names like ma.cx or dindinus, whatever it's called. I'm not sure if that's what you asked, but they, we would like just card domain names and then we would just configure the bot to connect to the domain name on the port that we had. Yeah, yeah. So the, the domain name. So you buy, you buy the domain name. Yep. And then the IRC server itself, you're saying would, you guys would run your own IRC server somewhere? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. On a server, we we carded. Yeah. We, so we'd card the domain to have it or just use one of the free ones and then point it to the IP address of a server we also carded to. And, you know, with the server, we would just use PuTTY, go in there and just, you know, install the, the server. Sometimes we'd use Windows servers. Are you familiar with fast flux domains or double flux domains? No. Mm -mm. So what the Russian business network, uh, that's what they were called, uh, was doing in I think the early 2000s, they would... Like every five minutes, they would change the IP address associated. So basically, the domain would be a C name record. Mm -hmm. It would every five minutes change the IP address that was associated with the domain name. Oh wow! And it made it very hard for, for folks like let's say AOL to block a specific IP address because the IP address kept changing. It would roll like every five minutes, and then there's double flux where it would like point to an IP address, which would like weird to redirect to like another domain name, which then points to another. It was crazy. But um, that, that's that's where the, 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 the CNC, the command controls, used to work. At least that's not like the, the Russians did it um, back then. Yeah, yeah, it, almost almost identical. What we did. I mean, we you know when, when um there were times when they they banned our server, where like everything dropped off, and then we'd log into the DNS, we'd change it to another IP address, and then they would all you know just magically come back. It was, it was like cat and mouse, man. They just kept like finding things, block us, you know, get around it again and get blocked again. But not changing the IP every five minutes, though. That's uh, wow. <laughs> huh. I, I mean, if if I was like on the security team, I would have just like edited like people's host files and just like black hold it. Yeah, no kidding, right? I I know. <laughs> I think I I do want to say I I recall you know that at some point it did get to that where like you know they would block the host name and just then we would lose all of the you know, servers that we trojaned, obviously, and then just have to like start again with a new, a new host name. But, um, that'd be funny. You could call up like the employees and be like, Hey, I need you to open, cause they're probably admins, right? So like, I need you to open up this file and they open up the host file. And you're like, Hey, I need you to delete those lines. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I, I had a rep actually open up their host file before, but it wasn't, it wasn't for that though. It was, um, 
uh, it was to get the um, basically like all of their host files were configured to I don't know it had like an internal IP to connect to a customer service tool and I had them open that and just read me the whole file it ended up being somewhere else but I had them open it up though <laughs> some of them reps would just do anything you said wow that's crazy yeah I mean just telling them to we used to call up and say, "Hey, you know, this is uh, this is Kevin from AOL Operations Security. Would uh, we had a um, report that there was an issue with your Merlin or your Pega Reach system. Do you have any issues pulling up accounts?" And they say, "No, nothing." And we're like, "All right, we'll, we'll we're just going to give you a couple of test accounts for us. You know, if you just pull them up, let us know if you get a white screen and if you get the customer information pulled up." And they say, "Oh yeah, pulled up fine. Okay, can you just reset the password to AOL one two three? It's a test password. Don't worry about it. It's just, you know, it was just." <laughs> I laugh at it because yeah, it was just uh, too simple back then. Um, unbelievable, really. That's really funny. So you mentioned Merlin. What's Merlin? So Merlin was the um, was the customer service system that replaced Chris C R I S. Chris was um, I'm sure you know about it. It was an AOL keyword that you could access if you were within the internal network and on an employee account. But they migrated away from that. Uh, I don't know the exact reason. I think it was because of security problems, to be quite honest, because a um, little easier to like get on the network on an account and just access a keyword. You know, when they moved to Merlin, it was uh, it was a third party uh, software. It was a Windows application created by Pegasystems. So this was something, to, you know, from someone they, they took something from the outside and brought it in instead of having it all inside for once. So when they switched over to that, uh, now it's like they're, they're probably thinking like, oh, these guys don't even have the physical software. Everyone's got AOL on their computer, but they don't have this on their computer. But, you know, of course we got it. <laughs> so, I mean, it didn't keep anybody out. Like you, you just got the installer from like an employee machine or something? Yeah, we actually. Um, so the way we, the way we got it was from a, it was a corrupt AOL employee. He actually sent it to me. As a matter of fact, I don't know if anybody else is responsible for getting the Merlin program. I. I think I'm the only one that might have, and people just spammed it out. But uh, yeah, it, it was a rep that we social engineered over the phone, just like the security guy that uh, we stayed in contact with. You know, he we sent him an instant message later on. At some point, he realized we were hackers, and he was with it. Just repeatedly, like take we sent him an instant message, like, "Hey, can you pull up the screen name?" And he'd send us a screenshot of everything, all the info on it. And um, we asked for the Merlin program. He zipped up the whole folder and shot it right out on an email. Wow. Yeah, crazy. So once you had the Merlin program, did you have to be on their network to use it? Did you feel like he's like a proxy and like follow the traffic through, or could you just connect this from anywhere in the US? Oh yeah, you you definitely had to be uh you had to be within the land, yeah. Yep. You had to be like, you know, on their IP range or whatever was their internal network, yeah. So how would you proxy it through? Like through like a Trojan machine? So essentially what we were doing, so We'd send them the bot, which went into our chat room. And then once it, once you have the bot there, you can control it. You can tell it to download extra, you know, additional programs. You could tell it to reboot the computer. You could tell it to do all that. The good thing about the bot was the bot always came back. It wasn't like a, just one program that you would send. Because I, I understand in the past, they would have this reverse proxy but they would just email it out. And that's it. Like Once you had this reverse proxy, you know, say an AOL employee downloads it, once that connection is dead, the whole thing's dead. So with us using the IRC bot, you know, that bot always came back. So we didn't have to keep calling employees. We didn't have to keep spamming them. But it, yeah, it, it was a reverse. Pretty much we uh, actually, I don't want to keep saying we at this point because I did this. Uh, I learned how to program a visual basic when I was really young, probably like 10, 11. Had this program that was uh, basically all it did was I ran it on my computer. And then I made another program that's supposed to run on the employee's computer. I run this on mine. It opens up a port. The program at the employee computer connects to my port. And then I tell the Merlin program to connect to myself. So that's basically what it was. It was like the employee computer connecting to me. Then I'm connecting to myself through the Merlin app, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, like a, it's like a tunnel like uh, yeah. where like, like a remote or yeah, a port forwarding or whatever. So the bot, the IRC bot. Mm -hmm. um, how are you able to achieve persistence on the end user workstation, like survive reboots and stuff? Oh, well, the the, the IRC bot would, you know, it, it was on a computer. As soon as, as soon as they ran it, it would add registry keys for the startup. So uh, auto runs or whatever. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think um, it used like multiple. You know, like back then, you could put it in Win the Win INI file. That was like Win ninety eight, I think. Then the, the registry keys, it put it everywhere. So if you deleted, you know, from one place, that you'd have, you know, there were several different places where it could keep running from. Yeah, you could even put stuff in autoexec.bat and have it like copy itself back. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> Brings me back. So. For sending commands, how would I interpret the command? Would it just run like straight up DOS commands or how would it work? Um, the, I mean, we'll, we'll be in it. No, well, there, there was, I should say this. So the, the, the IRC bot that we had, it wasn't created by myself or anybody in our circle. It was a uh, publicly available source code. It was actually called uh, SD bot. So it was, um, we'd compile it. It was C code. So we'd compile it with uh, LCC and, but it was all, um, it, it would come into the channel and, just takes very very simple commands like you'd put download space and then just put a you know the web page send it and it'll say file blah 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 exe downloaded and it would have the the path that you also specified to it was kind of neat though i would say you, you mentioned dos it did have a uh, a later version of our, the bot that we were using it did have a feature where we could type in open cmd and it would literally like the chat room would pretty much turn into like an MS DOS prompt where you could type netstat, it would run it and then feed it back to you. It was um, pretty cool. Do you remember the there was like the, the hide window command? Where you, like the, so if you're programming uh, Windows API or whatever, you could open a window, but you could hide it like immediately so you would be able to see it. So mm-hmm. like, when, do you think when the so you need to open command or whatever, would it hide the window or would it actually just run straight up commands without even opening the window? I believe it would open it up and hide it. I'm pretty sure I, I tested it on myself and I, n- I never saw anything come up. But it, I'm assuming it had to be live because it would be inside of the task manager. Like you could see it under processes, but it wouldn't be in applications. Oh, you could see CMD to EXE running. Yeah. Yes, you could. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, that's super interesting. So then you said that before about having to keep um, infecting machines and but the boss would come back. Did you ever write anything that moved laterally across the environment from like machine to machine? Yeah. So back when the, uh, the hell was it called? The, uh, the blaster, the, or the, I think it was running on a DCOM or RPC exploit. That one was bad because we were already, you know, sending Trojans to these AOL employees. And at some point, you know, not me and another person in our group, got a hold of a version of the SD bot that had auto spread and it would basically, you know, just IP scan and keep launch to RPC exploit on it. So yeah, it, it got pretty crazy to like, we had like IRC channels with like, I'm talking like 2000, 3000, like infected servers, it's like servers, not the workstation. Now we're seeing like actual AOL web servers come in there. And that was cool because they never reboot them. I remember we had a machine in there. I had like a 400-day uptime. I'm like, man, we're going to go in Merlin for two weeks straight. <laughs> That's crazy. What operating system were they running? That was a Linux one, that one. Yeah, the ser- most of the servers were all like Linux ones. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. No, 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 no. So there were Linux servers and they're infected, but I should I should restate that. I don't recall exactly like what exploit was able to do that. I think it was something perhaps like, there was like file sharing enabled. It had like something called the NetBIOS spread. It might have been through that. Um, but the RPC was, it was all Windows servers. And there were web web servers that were, uh, or I should just say servers. I shouldn't say web that were online for like days. 400 days for Windows. What, what, what version of Windows were they running? I think that was one of the Linux servers because that server, I remember it was um, dynnat.aol.de. So dynnat is if you know about nat you know was it a, a nat is like very familiar to people that are network administrators or straight ah, i'm sorry yeah n- network address translation yeah so it was a linux server not quite sure for what but it was it was a german one dnat.aol.de that was the one that was up for like you know i'm a little bit stretching it saying 400 days but it was in the hundreds and we used the hell out of that server interesting so you've successfully taken over thousands of machines and you have access to Merlin. So what's next? <laughs> um, well, what's next for me was, uh, well, I, I got to a point where um, I obviously went a little too far. So uh, I'll, I'll explain basically what happened up, happened up to uh, a, a raid. 
So we're going back to 2004. Uh, at this point, yeah, I'm I'm well in there. You know, we've we're, we're we've been doing this for months and months and months now. We're consistently getting on the land. We're exploring. We got proxies. We're doing all kind of stuff. So what actually got me raided was I this particular bot. All right, there was a screen name called MSNOC. It was basically like the point of contact for the network operations center. So if there was like a network incident, network outage, these are the guys that are like, they got some serious power. Like they, you know, they got passwords, they they got some shit. So we basically, somehow, somehow we infected that machine that the network operations center employees were using. You know, they, they would work on like eight hour, 10 hour shifts, whatever it was. And th this was crazy, man, because it was all based on like IP ranges. Uh, you know, as I'm learning as I go, like when I first started screwing around, like I didn't know much about an IP range. I don't know what a port was. But, um, you know, as we're like sending these bots out and now it's spreading, you know, we're it's starting to scan and we're infecting different parts of AOL's network in foreign countries, for instance. And so we end up turning the key logger on. You know, we, we they have a key logger function or uh, I should say command where you know, start everything the employees type and comes to us. Um, we would randomly just like turn them on for like 50 bots that are in this one particular room and just start like watching this shit. So yeah, we realized we somehow spread it a bot to a network operations guy. So we get the IP range and sent a command out to uh, try spread on that particular IP range where the, the network ops people were. And it basically like got the bot on this guy who's like, uh, I don't know ex exactly what his name was. All I know is the dude was using putty. So I'm like, okay, this guy's SSHing into AOL servers. Like, this is some shit that I want to know about because I haven't done it before. So what kind of like led to my demise with the whole AOL thing was uh so I'm keylogging this guy. He SSHs into a test AOL server. It was like tpod93.test.aol.com. I only remember that because it's in many, many court documents. So I'm like, okay, I got this guy's SSH login. Like, I'm going to wait till he, like the bot disconnects. So I know he's like not working anymore and I'm going to go in there. So some point he leaves. And at some point I do the reverse proxy thing and I SSH to myself. And then it's, it's going to that test.aol server. Now I'm inside there. I don't know a whole lot about Linux. I, I vaguely remember like instant messaging a couple people saying like, yo, what are some commands to like print, you know, like, uh, what is it? Cat, nano, all these stupid things that I didn't know. So I'm, I'm like SSH into this. I'm trying to figure shit out. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just trying to like copy as many files. I see all these config files. And um, in, in one particular directory, I locate something called ewoks.config or something like that. And I know what this is, and I should have gave a little context. So basically, what I do is I, I type cat, cat the config file, and I get a 3DES key. I'm actually looking for that, not on purpose. I'm kind of just looking around, but I knew what this was. I was like, oh, shit, I need this. So whatever, save it to my computer. And um, th this might have been like 8.30 at night. And just because I took that Ewoks encryption key, the FBI was at my house less than 24 hours. They hit, they raided my house in the afternoon of the next day, all over that key, even though they knew that I was going into their customer service stuff and, you know, stealing screen names and social engineering and sending bots out and spreading. And that Ewoks key was like so significant for whatever reason. I think it could have been used for like more than I had believed or it. Well, so what, what is Ewoks? So it stands for, um, external web oscar knowledge server so that doesn't really say much but that is what it stands for so the ewoks is basically uh it's like uh i don't want to say it's i guess you could call it almost an api so here, here let me get an ex give an example because this will explain it the best so if you want to create an aol instant messenger screen name you go to the aol website you click on whatever it might be you know create a screen name you type in your screen name, you select the password, you put an email address, and you click the create button. So you don't see it, but behind the scenes, what's going on is that AOL server that's taking your information, it's encrypting all the details that you put in and using that 3DES key. And it's throwing it over to the Ewok server. And the Ewok server is actually accessing the master Oscar registration facility, which was basically the AOL instant messenger database. So basically, 
the front facing site, you put your info in behind the scenes, it's encrypting your info and then it's shooting it over to Ewoks, which is actually putting it in the database kind of. So this was kind of neat because this, this is the reason I wanted it. So, so there were multiple websites that you could go on to create screen names, to log in or just say, hey, I forgot my password. Somehow, some way I, I recall like, I think I was using the AIM client or something, but basically it's like this. So Ewoks has a website. It's ewoks.oscar.aol.com. You can access it from a browser or back then you could, I should say. <laughs> so with this key, you could like encrypt your own data and you could actually submit it to Ewoks and it would process the command with like without validating anything. Now, why, why was this serious? So this is what I did with it. I actually had the, an, an older Ewoks key before I stole this one. I got the other one from a misconfigured server. So I, I was, that's why I wanted this. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm a little bit jumbled here. I'm trying to explain it in the simplest way I could. So you log on to AOL Instant Messenger. You're on a screen name, whatever it may be. You go to the menu. You click update your email address. When you update your email address and it processes, if you lose your password, they'll send it to that email. You know, very common. Makes sense. So with the Ewoks uh, encryption key, I could basically encrypt a couple variables. It would be screen name equals, put a screen name, and then I can say new email address equals and put a new email address. I would encrypt those two variables and then I could push that to the server and it would update the email without any validation. So if I, I can, you know, I could steal anyone's account with, with that encryption key. Like Steve Case's account? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that, that's pretty... Uh... So you don't. So you think it? Did they, so, so for your case, did they specifically tell you that was why they arrested you, or was that just part of the case? They they actually never said it to me. Like when when they were at my house talking to me, um, I found out about it like way way later. Like when I like years later, when I was looking at the search warrant affidavit for my house, which um going down the list saying that numerous bots who were detected by the AOL incident response team that they had wiretaps on my AOL account and it w- it was in there saying that I had SSH'd into the tpod93.test.aol server and I uh removed and uh it's something like a I don't remember exactly how I said it. it 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 more or less said it was like I downloaded an encryption key but it it was in the search warrant as like the last thing like the last part of the affidavit. And then it goes into a part saying like, we believe probable cause has been established that he violated unauthorized access to a protected computer, blah, blah, blah. But it's funny though, because like that, that search warrant didn't say anything about accessing customer information. It more or less just said that, you know, I had control over employee workstations that I was sending SD bot to employees that I use that to SSH in there and steal that key. Like that's basically like, that was pretty much like the crime that they were trying to prove. Like, you know, had it gone to trial, it was just like that was in the affidavit. Even though there was countless, countless, countless other acts too. So um, that that key was pretty significant. I, I should say too, that, that's probably pretty obvious to a lot of the listeners that, uh, you know, SSHing into an AOL server, there's some pretty serious, you know, stuff that's, that's in there. I mean, so I'll put it like this. Uh, that server that I SSH'd into, like you could actually open up AOL, say AOL 6.0, and you could connect to that. You could connect to that test AOL server. So the AOL server itself was running on there, but it was like, it wasn't a production server. It was like, you know, like a test server. So you could, you know, change your AOL client to sign onto it, but no logins would work. It would say, you know, the username and password is not valid because it's not in this test database. So, I mean, being on that server, like, that's, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, I'm just speculating, but I mean, just looking at that, an AOL server running on there, like how much, how many things could I have copied from there? You know, it could have been like a worry like that. They might be like, we know he took this key. Like what else does he have? So it might not have so much been that key because of all the crazy stuff we were already engaging in. it might've been more of like, oh, what else did he take from there? Because if this kid's got a copy of AOL server, that's, that's a big deal. And I never did. I'll just say it for the record. I, I never did see that. So was that, so it sounds like it was a non-production server, but they had the production key on it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cl- classic IT. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No kidding. Um, yeah. It's it's crazy, man. Like, geez, you know, thinking back, you know, I, I it was interesting. You know, I'm not going to lie. It, it was fun. You know, you kind of like digging to see how far you can go and you kind of get to a point like that and then you get raided. 
do I regret it? Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, like the things that I learned from like going through that, like just being curious. And I think that's kind of like, I don't know. I'm grateful in a sense that I had the experience, but not so grateful that I caused people a lot of headaches. <laughs> I'm sure if I mess, if I found any of them AOL people from their security team on LinkedIn, they'd probably remember me. That's funny. So how old were you when, when, when the, you got raided? I was 15. Okay. So you, you get raided and it sounds like it didn't go to court. So what, what happened? <laughs> All right. So what happens? Uh, the August, uh, August 19th, 2004, um, raided by the FBI. Pretty much what happens at that point is uh, nothing. Then nothing happens at all. Uh, I believe my dad reached out to um, a public defender. Um, they, they were in contact with the feds. There was seemed like there was no action going on. So, I mean, a couple of weeks after the raid, um, I just went to one of my friends in the neighborhood. I would use his computer and course i obtained another laptop um used someone's you know carded it i don't have to you know everybody knows what carding is i'm pretty sure um so got a new computer and i got right back to it doing the same exact thing and again like just just a couple weeks after the raid started screwing around with aol again you know stealing screen names you know sending bots all of the same thing just didn't didn't stop what what year is this this is 2004 2004 so you're connecting over tcpip then uh, to AOL, right? Yes. So I guess I'm trying to figure out how they how they caught you. Were you were you using a proxy or anything, um, or, or VPN? No, dude. I I was connecting right from my house. Oh, okay. So that's what I got you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't hard. They knew who I was, and it, you know, like I just to say before, like one of when I had messaged one of their security people, the guy Bart, he very quickly shot back. You know, my first name, which was kind of obvious to anybody, and then he said something about like. Does your dad know what you're doing with these stolen credit cards? So when he said dad, I'm like, all right, well, they obviously know where I live. You know, that's, that's something that, that was a little spooky. Obviously, it didn't deter me. But uh, yeah, they knew who I was. I don't know how they got my info. They must have done something. I mean, I had an AOL account under my my dad had his own. So, I mean, it wasn't really rocket science, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it had to be IP address too. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the account got terminated at some point, though. <laughs> right. So plus, I mean, you're kind of connecting to the IRC channels as well, right? With the same home uh, IP address. It's all, it's all the IP address. Yeah. Okay. So so then you go back to the same stuff. And do you ever get you get bored with hacking AOL at some points or hacking other stuff? So I wouldn't say bored, only because like, um, you know, we, we I continue that all the way up until the end, like the, the end end, like the from... Like weeks before I went to court, I was still messing around on AOL. Now, I wouldn't, again, I just said not bored. Uh, I wouldn't say bored, but, you know, it, our activities certainly expanded. Next time on AOL Underground. I know what I want to look at. I go in there, I see her photos right away. It's all like topless photos. There's one of her picture, her topless kissing another girl. I, I was sitting at the computer and I stood up and I said, what the heck? I, I ran into the other room and I went to get my little brother. I'm like, hey, come over here. You, you got to see this stuff. So we're going we're going back to the laptop. I'm like, dude, this is Paris Hilton's phone, dude. I'm inside the phone. Oh,